0: Hello and welcome to the PopBreak.com's official Oscars podcast, hosted by Marissa Carpico and Matt Taylor.
1: Matt Taylor, TV editor of ThePopbreak.com, and this is the fourth episode of And the Winner Still Is. I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, film editor of ThePopbreak.com, Marissa Carpico. Say hi, Marissa. Hello. And we are here today to talk about the nineteen fifties Oscars, which I'm very excited to do. I don't know if you know this, Marissa, but or listeners, but it is Gay men are legally obligated to talk about the 1950s Oscars if they host the podcast. So I'm happy we're doing this now so that before I get any sort of notification that we haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> but it is a really great year for film. Um, all jokes aside, it really has everything. There's communism, there's actresses, like established actresses facing off against ingenues, both on on screen and off. And just like a lot of really... Famous movies. So, we all talk about including the actual Best Picture winner, which was All About Eve, the very famous movie about an established Broadway actress who, in the midst of a somewhat existential crisis about her life and um, her career as she ages, hires an assistant who's a big fan and maybe trying to take over her spotlight. Uh, the film was a really, really big deal when it was released. It still is tied with two other films for the most nominations an Oscar-winning—an Oscar nomination was ever received. It was 14 nominations tied with Titanic and, shockingly, I guess, like La La Land. I always forget that 14-nomination that um, record, but—and um, it took on Best Picture, and it's a really wonderful movie, and I'm excited to hear Marissa's experience with this movie.
0: Uh yeah. I um, saw it I think either at in college um years ago or shortly after, but in the same building. Um and uh watched it a couple times since because it's you know, it's a classic. Um and I think it, we might have watched it again during Betty Davis stuff. Uh like, you know, after post feud and in, in a sort of Betty Davis uh marathon. Um and uh yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. <laughs>
1: It's very interesting to talk about After Feud because, like, even though the, I don't think the miniseries ever really touches on All About Eve, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, it feels so inspired by it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, certainly. it's certainly, yeah, it's very interesting. Um,
0: Any Anything where women snipe at each other now, I think, is par- partially motivated by it, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I actually was thinking throughout my most recent rewatch of the favorite, weirdly enough. like Mm -hmm. They're very different, and they're very different female relationships, but um, it's interesting. So um, I have a weird relationship with All About Eve because I watched it in high school for the first time after watching Sunset Boulevard, which we'll talk about later, but not to spoil our conversation. High school me was obsessed with Sunset Boulevard. It was one of the first... um, like old Hollywood fifties um, movies I watched and it mm-hmm. really blew my mind. And I remember while watching it the first time being like, how could any movie have beaten this for best picture? And I sort of like angrily rented all about Eve just being like, how could this movie beat tons of Boulevard? And then I was like, Oh damn, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe, maybe I jumped to conclusions a little too quickly, yeah. but, um, Yeah, I probably watched it at least four or five times since then. I actually own the Blu-ray, and it's a really lovely Blu-ray release. Um,
0: Yeah, I I bought it so long ago that it was like I bought it on DVD. You know what I mean? Oh,
1: yeah. The Blu-ray.
0: It was like I I hadn't quite transitioned yet to Blu-rays, and I was like, well, you know, I don't know. This This is fine.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, it's um it's a good release and the box art is great and I just I love a good box art. That's like honestly half my like reason I buy movies anymore. But um no, this movie's really really wonderful. Like I um watching it again for the for the first time in at least 2 years um last week when we were preparing for this episode. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's one of those cases of a really intelligent layered screenplay that you can discover new things each time you watch it. And I think what I took away from it the most recent time was just how, like, weird and dark it is. Um, Like, in a way that I never fully appreciated in my earlier viewings. Um, There's, like, obviously films from that era kind of have this reputation today of being, like, clean and very innocent and like representative of the quote unquote simpler days and everything. And the older movies that I really love more are the ones that are playing with that. And like, almost they have like these kinky or weird and strange undertones to it that um, play with that expectation of what, like the innocence of that era in the film. And I always, in my previous watches of all about Eve sort of saw it as the former of like this movie that's very, um well, i hate the word like to use the word clean but it's the first one that's come to mind It's just like a very innocent movie and um it has some like weird stuff going on to it. it's like a very
0: that's wild it's so it's so snappy and like and sharp i i i, yeah. I that's, that's crazy to me that you ever had a a, a view of it as a, anything but sort of biting you know
1: it wasn't so much like like it was definitely always biting but i saw it as being this very like um like uh, just like you know more innocent view of the industry but i think so much has changed with how we view the industry as a whole mm-hmm. in the past two years where now i see it and it's definitely the sort of thing where you you realize this is so much more than a movie about two women fighting for the spotlight that like you have oh. this in-
0: okay Oh, sorry no i i guess i yeah i see that i suppose i just never I, I don't know if i ever thought of it that way after seeing it do you know what i mean like I saw it, like, you know, like, you hear that when you, uh, before you watch it, and then you watch it, and it's just, like, it's a takedown of everyone, because it's, like, there's a journalist, there's a director, there's a writer, there's actors, there's, like, people who are not even actors, so, like, I don't know, I think as soon as I watched it the first time, I I definitely felt like, oh, this is not, it's not about two women sniping at each other. In fact, they don't really ever snipe at each other. No,
1: it's actually, like margo kind of likes her in a weird way like for quite a bit of it it's very it's very interesting and um the the journalist character you mentioned played by george sanders um is such a great villain he's so um unsettling in a way that i don't quite know how he nails it but like his final scene in the film
0: sanders honestly that's like who he is like I read his memoir years ago. Um, uh, it's it's like it's called "Memoirs of a Professional CAD." Um, and he what a great title! It's phenomenal. Um, and he also he he. This is darker, but he killed himself. And the the um, the note he left was also like a joke. So he was like fully committed to being ironic and sort of cruel at all times. Like um, he was married to Zsa Zsa Gabor, and he just he burns her mercilessly in that. <laughs> that memoir <laughs> and himself well, too i mean it's pretty cruel
1: <laughs> werewolf reading inside oscar which is a really great book and um at one point in it they refer to him as like, was third husband yeah <laughs> and that was, I was what a, that was a bird. funny way of describing him <laughs> like
0: but you know what just, I, I i wouldn't be surprised if he described himself as as that at some point because there's i think there's a line i can't remember it exactly but it was like um, got like he basically says something like Jaja like lost weight or whatever, and and it was about 150 pounds, which is what I weighed at the time or whatever, something like that. like <laughs> some sort of like all this rye bullshit where it's like, oh, he just like this is his life. He speaks like this all the time.
1: What? A, so maybe it wasn't that much of a stretch. As a no, it really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just really taken in this viewing of his last scene and just how like it's so i don't know uns- like, uh, unsettling it, like it weirdly made me very uncomfortable in a way that it hadn't in the previous times i don't know if just like the times have changed or i have changed but like i gained like a newer respect for this movie that i already really really loved but um i don't know it's just like we mentioned before like you mentioned you mentioned before um any movie now with women slapping at each other can kind of feel like a riff on All You. And I, that's the other thing that really stuck with me this time. Like, A Star is Born is a movie that we've got in this kind of remake of or reimagining um, of every 30 or so years as the industry changes. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see a version of this every 30 or so years because, I mean, this is obviously about Broadway and not quite film, but even Broadway has changed in, in like to an insane degree. They're not really like this um, upper society New York circle anymore. I mean, it's like they're still... Well, they're, like they're to, you know, to
0: remind you, we did get Smash. We <laughs> did, yes, we did. <laughs> our favorite, Gosh. our favorite document of all time.
1: That really is <laughs> like. Okay, oh it's all about. Is Smash like the 2010s all about Eve? It maybe.
0: It, no, it really is, and that's the quality of it speaks to what happened to Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> the fact uh, that we ever entertain Catherine McPhee conceivably playing M- Marilyn Monroe over literally <laughs> Megan Hilty is, is, it exp- is like, truly sums it up. It truly did, does.
1: Marilyn Monroe, who is in this movie, and I have yeah. seen this movie about five times, and every time she shows up, I'm still like, oh, shit, it's her. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm a, a big...
0: Scene. I'm a big Marilyn fan so I I think at some point I did watch this because I was like, you know, various people I watched it like I probably watched it again after reading the Sanders um memoir and then I probably I watched it again for Betty Davis and I definitely at some point watched it for like how much is she in this like just out of curiosity for Marilyn.
1: Like and it's a great one scene performance. Like she <laughs> uh, I wish I wrote down the line. Whatever her last line is like something about like men that she has to appeal to never being attractive or something like that is so beautiful. And I love just the savage one-liners throughout this movie. Um, it takes no prisoners. And it's funny that we'll be talking about Tonset Boulevard in a little bit, which at the time had this reputation of being this like very dark and um, like, I guess mean film about Hollywood. A lot of people in Hollywood were not very happy with it. Right, according to inside Oscar. Threatened,
0: threatened, um, is it George Cukor? Um, Billy Wilder, I think. Billy Wilder, sorry. It's There's so many cougar <laughs> movies that we're watching, yeah. I
1: forget. <laughs> All their names also kind of sound alike, so I'm just like, eh. But um, it's like, it was funny to me that Sunset Boulevard has a reputation of being this very mean film. But I don't think this one is very glowing either. <laughs> like, it's like, this one, I mean, it's a little more... Um, it makes that lifestyle look kind of interesting. Like I was kind of like, I'd love to go to a party and just it drink a very, cocktail.
0: Yeah. It's real glamorous,
1: you know, but like, yeah, but it makes it look pretty harsh and like rough, but um, no, what it, it, it I really do love all about Eve. Um, it's getting a stage adaptation, which we talked about offline while we were um, just getting ready for this episode. Um, and one of our future ones. And I was reading some reviews of the stage production, which there aren't many of. I guess it's still, it's in the it's in London right now with Gillian Anderson and Lily. Lily James. James. I always confuse Lily James and Lily Collins, even though they're <laughs> very different careers. Wow, how but, dare you! I know. <laughs> Sorry, Lily James. I like you more, but um, but Lily James, like Gillian Anderson, Lily and Lily James, and the reviews that I was reading were, were like, oh, like the director brings out more the idea that it um there were sexist powers at play um helping develop this feud as opposed to just um like two women fighting and as we just discussed I mean high school me definitely didn't pick up on this but watching it again, I'm like I think it's already there like I don't think. Yeah. No, go ahead. go ahead. No, no. I
0: mean, uh, that director is not someone I think is very good. So I, I th- I'm i suspicious of any compliment to that director, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> like, you know what? I don't think it's him. It's probably Lily James and G- Gill- Gillian Anderson, two great actresses who are really fantastic in basically every piece of shit they've ever been in. So, like, please, <laughs> calm down. All right?
1: And who look stunning in all the photos of that play. Like, I, I am cautious because I also... I'm not really a fan of that director. I don't know enough. I don't see enough Broadway to really be able to say if I'm a fan or not. But the few experience I've had with this director, I'm not, I don't particularly like. But they look stunning, and I am very excited for this play purely for them. Yeah,
0: same. I mean, I'll um, buy a ticket. I'm just not happy
1: about it. It's doing a national live production at some, like a live stream at some point, and I am ready to take off work and go.
0: Yeah, but, I'm um, fully buying tickets to that. Friends and I had already discussed it, but like when they announced it, it would be even played somewhere.
1: <laughs> it's. I'm sort of shocked it's taken this long to be put on stage anyway. It's like, it's so made for the stage. <laughs> um, but no, so I'm sure we'll be talking all about Eve throughout the rest of this episode. So let's move on to the other four Best Picture nominations. Um, they were Father of the Bride, Sunset Boulevard, Born Yesterday, and King Solomon's Mines. Let's let's go with the one I think we'll have the least to talk about, which is King Solomon's Mines. And, um... Marissa, what are your thoughts on King's Solomon's Minds?
0: Oh, I didn't like it. Um, it is uh, about a woman, a, an English lady played by <clears throat> Deborah Kerr, who goes to Africa because her husband, a couple years ago, basically went on the search for the titular minds. Um, and he like has disappeared. So she goes to Africa, and they really went to Africa, like... It's shocking for 1950. They don't don't really film outside a lot in basically the middle of the century just because Technicolor cameras are really giant. Like they're huge. Um, They're like the size of a fridge. So it's not exactly like fun to move those around like a mountain, let's say. Um, But yeah, um, she goes to the jungle and then some fucking – colonizing white guy talks down to her about Africa for about an hour and then for the rest of it they they try to convince us the two of them are falling in love um, it's so fucking misogynistic and like imperialistic it's unbelievable and it's been remade a bunch of times and it is actually a remi- remake um, and uh, the only thing it has going for it is the, um, the views of Africa and, and African culture which are really unique to the time because like you know, usually they would just hire some like <laughs> black people from LA and put them in a dumb costume, and that was like completely not correct for whatever culture they're trying to do in 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 a sounds in a soundstage. But this is really outside, and they 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 went there. It's a, it's unfortunate that de- the delivery system is some fucking asshole guy, um, and then I like have to pretend I care about their love story. But it it's it's it looks great. Cinematography is great. That's all I can say about it. Really.
1: No, my two main points watching this movie were, like you said, it makes no sense for them to fall in love. He is oh. so mean to her the whole movie. There's that one scene where she's in a tent and some animal tries to like get into her I, um, tent and she's... <laughs> she screams he comes in there are holes in the tents but he like doesn't believe that there was an animal i'm like you're in africa like like, and then he goes
0: outside to look at the fucking scratches in the tent and he's like well why didn't you like call for me she's like i did you motherfucker that's why you're standing here it's so (laughs) annoying i i was hoping the whole time he would die but of course he does not and like
1: it doesn't even make sense for him to fall in love with her because he's so annoyed by everything she does and then she gets a haircut and it's a great haircut don't get me wrong yeah, but he's you know, like if
0: I saw Deborah Kerr getting like hair cutting her own hair by a waterfall sure yeah I'd fall in love too it's just like
1: it immediately he's like all is forgiven she has short hair now i, I I'm into so it stupid it's wild but the other thing that really stuck out to me was like watching it I was kind of like how did this get a like a best picture nomination but you see it it is spectacle to this insane degree where it still is kind of impressive um yeah. we have these conversations so much on film twitter with the, with recent examples of spectacle driven best picture nominations like avatar or gravity are the two that first come to minds um but i feel like there's one every year and um like the whole conversation of like oh like Will they hold the test of time, and will people still watch them? Or um, when they go back and watch them 50 years from now, will um, they be like, well, this this looks bad today compared to the spectacle of today? But this movie got me thinking – this is not a perfect rule, but like I was still impressed by the spectacle of this, and the reasons I didn't like it had nothing to do with that. So it's like I – I think this is an interesting argument for, like, in favor of spectacle-driven Best Picture nominations. Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: I love a good spectacle. I mean, I think the opposite end of the spectrum – like, this is in the middle, but the opposite end of the spectrum is, like, The Last Emperor, which we talked about last week. Or, yeah, like, where it it totally won for spectacle. Like, there were 9,000 extras or whatever – and, like, they filmed in the Forbidden City for the first time ever. So, like, that's that's why that won. But, like, now it just does not hold up, even though, because I guess we've seen more of China now. Do you know, like, they opened up mm-hmm. after that. So it, it just is a different thing. Um, I will say one thing about this, um, the spectacle of it all. Watching um, All About Eve, I did feel a little uncinematic in a way of where it just, like, it really could have been on a stage and nothing... Nothing about it quite lended itself to being, um, being a film just because it, it it is so talky. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know if I would have thought about it without like something, uh, seeing this or like, and even some of the other ones that are, that we're going to talk about are even, even though they're really talky, um, and some of them are based on plays, like they felt a little more using of the, the, like the, the medium. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a very good point because honestly, uh, two of the other films we'll be talking about, I think, are more cinematic, but also like could just as easily be put on like put on stage. Like yeah. it's not like they didn't let the fact that they're and in fact I, at least one of them was. So like, yeah. um, it doesn't let it doesn't let the fact that it can be staged prevent it from being cinematic. No, I agree. I think All About Eve definitely does feel, um. Very stagey, to a yeah. almost to a fault, I guess. The only real cinematic moment is the last scene that I can think of, which is a really wonderful scene, but I guess could also be put on stage in a in an equally visually interesting way. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: No, that that I think, yeah that that last scene that you actually can do that on stage. That sort of mirror thing because mm-hmm. the house lights are low, but that's such a technical. Never mind. <laughs> <Don't care>. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't here for that. <laughs> It's fascinating, though. Um,
1: (laughs) um, So let's... I guess there's nothing else really to say about King Solomon's Minds, isn't there? It's it's a movie. Yeah, it is. Watching it was... It was a rough experience. I was like, kept checking my clock, like, when is this over? Oh, okay, we're almost
0: there. Thank God, yeah. it was under two hours. I I feel like I rate some of these movies that we watch um, on a on a level of how much am I screaming at the television? And this is like a pretty medium one. There actually is one more in this in this group that I screamed at more.
1: I'm very excited to talk about that one. We'll get there. <laughs> um, assuming I know, I think I know what it is based you on Letterboxd. Yeah, but... you,
0: you have an idea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, um, all right, so let's move on to one called Born Yesterday, which um we'll definitely talk about a lot more when we get to the actress category, mm-hmm. but, um, it is basically Pygmalion, but, or My Fair Lady, but, like, a 1950s version, <laughs> um, and I think it's charming, I really don't have much to say about it, I, like, until we get to actress, I mean, like, like, I'll just say, I think it's charming, what do you think, Marissa? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's fun. I mean, um, it's Judy Holliday's like, big debut. Um, I had actually never seen Judy in anything. But she does. I mean, it's not the type was sort of around that sort of high pitched, talky, like dumb, dumb blonde sort of thing had obviously been around before, you know, it's it's not like she created it. But it does feel like she influenced it in a huge way. Because like, the whole time I kept thinking, like, oh, this is definitely 100% like what Harley Quinn is doing. Do you know what I mean? A- yes, in, in the Batman cartoon. Um, and, yeah, and I just – I guess I had never realized that. Like, I knew that Harley was a type that was being taken from this sort of, like, you know, gun mall um, – like, like, Gloria Graham does that kind of thing all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's – it's not like it hadn't existed, but it's 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 almost like Judy takes it and refines it and perfects it and then becomes the standard by which everyone is compared afterward. Um, and like I I kept thinking, like, I didn't realize that there was a remake of this with um, our beloved um, Melanie Griffith as the Judy <laughs> Holiday character. And I, on, I wish I'd had time to watch it because like that it made so much sense of like, oh, yeah, Melanie is Judy, but like darker. Do you know what I mean?
1: No, a hundred percent. She basically created or or defines an archetype of actress that is still going on. Um, mm-hmm. I always confuse her with someone else, but she reminds me so much of Annalee Ashford. The oh, um, yeah, totally. Yeah, who like is she's great. This is not shade towards hair. but she's entirely just doing Judy Holiday in every single movie or TV show yeah. she's in, and it's wonderful. But it's just. It's entirely because of her. Um, have you seen Adam's Rib, the movie that kind of made her? like? No,
0: I haven't. Yeah. That that also came out this year.
1: Yeah. Um, it hasn't aged well, <laughs> um, I will say. But uh, like in terms of its gender politics are a little um, – I feel like you will be on TV a lot when you watch it. But um, it's an interesting movie, and she is – she's quite good in it and makes a lot with a part that doesn't quite make sense, but it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so more yesterday. I mean, it's it's charming. It's on Prime Video. People for um, for free, you can stream it. Like yeah. if you have Prime, do it. It's fun. <laughs> That's about all I can I can say about it.
0: Yeah, it's it's cute. Um, you know, her and Holden have a weird like chemistry that works. Um, like as as he's a, I guess we should tell people what it's about. Um, but it's uh <laughs> she's the girlfriend of some like uh, gangstery type who comes to wa- D- Washington D.C. to like. Um, get a bunch of, um, uh, like, politicians to help him get something done. And and then he they realize she's a dumbass, so uh, he like, they, like, hire a journalist to, like, make her smarter. And then she becomes too smart, and, like, intelligence is great, and so is education. And it's a weird, like – I don't really know what to do with that narrative. I don't know if you felt the same way, but, like, the – the like yeah education is great and you should m- know more about your country but like i should probably bulk at the sort of like talking down to the girl in this but like it's so n- not mansplaining in the same way that like king solomon's minds is um mm-hmm. and she's like actually interested and and i don't know she just pulls it off really well i mean i think it's part of maybe it's just the performance that, that really does it but um no i, I think it's
1: been, a great point
0: yeah, I think I should have been more annoyed with it than I was. And I, I found, found it pretty charming. But I don't actually know what to do with, like, all of the sort of, like, big ideas it's working with. And, and maybe that's just because of, like, I don't know, things have changed. It's, it's such a, I don't know, it's so things have changed so much. Like, I don't know if we're at a time, basically, where it's just like, well, we don't really, I don't know if intelligence could ever really win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not as convincing as it once was. Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I think you made a good point. I think
1: these sort of narratives, because they, they, I mean, we have so many films with this basic plot of, um, like, quote, unquote, unrefined woman gets educated in something. I mean, My Fair Lady, One Best Picture, we'll, probably, we'll talk about that eventually. Yeah, we don't
0: have to, unfortunately.
1: But, like, those movies, like My Fair Lady, which I haven't seen in years, but I remember liking it, and then Born <laughs> Yesterday, they work, I think, because the actresses are so interesting and like the movie never makes you in born yesterday's case the movie never makes you dislike judy holliday's character like it yeah. is like i don't think she's you know you might kind of chuckle at like the fact that she like is again like unrefined quote-unquote like she's like has like that gangster girlfriend voice and everything that like the harley <laughs> quinn voice basically um but like it's always very affectionate, and the men who are teaching her are depicted as stuffy, kind of, and, like, not exactly likable. So it's it's an interesting balance you have to find. I don't, like, I'm surprised we, we don't get more movies with this plot anymore. Like, I, this is one that I feel, again, you could easily do every ten years and have something interesting happen. But I think, I really think if you were to do it today, it wouldn't have that level of, um nuance or um affection for the female lead you'd have to switch genders i could yeah i was thinking like like, this sort of plot i'm shocked adam sandler has never done (laughs) like it's like where adam sandler is refined by some by some woman who's way out of his
0: league well (laughs) arguably every movie seth rogan has ever made is really that movie well actually now that i think about it um that thing that's coming out. the long shot or long shot is what it's called. Almost has that thing. But like, in fact, um, she she just needs to be more likable is the problem. Like, it's Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. But Charlize Theron is like a secretary of state who's actually much more intelligent than the, the president she worked for. And like, all she needs to do is like, f- be softened, which is actually kind of the only way you can keep the genders as they are and update that thing. Do you know what I mean? Cause like the problem now isn't that women are intelligent. It's that they are hated for not being women enough.
1: That is so true. That movie is kind of like this. And <laughs> I'm very excited for that movie. I mean, I'm just like here for any studio romantic comedy, um, especially with Charlie's Theron. And as someone who openly has an insane crush on Seth Rogen, I find it very funny that, that this whole movie is about like, like, um her being out of his league because i'm like date me seth rogan instead you're in my league but <laughs> 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 there's a lot to unpack people oh, to sorry unpack. <laughs> <laughs> but um but anyway no that is a very true like comparison i don't know i'm so curious how that movie does and what um i know it premiered to South by southwest i think this weekend that we're recording but um or last weekend maybe
0: last weekend yeah in fact uh, we have a south by southwest review from sean cordy who will be um on our next episode
1: oh yes yes we do we do i did not read it i don't read reviews (laughs) before i watched the movie but um i um i'm very excited for that one i don't know it'll be interesting to see how it's received and how yeah because i have seen some just just through tweets like some negative reception from um, female film critics, so I'm curious to see if this is going to be a gendered
0: yeah, divide. Think, that's what I mean. I think the the the, the problem to actually get back to our point is that the that narrative is tough to update in this in this climate realistically because it's it's really as as we've seen for the last couple of years, it's not the women who have the problem anymore; <laughs> it's the boys right. who need to be educated.
1: <laughs> uh, it's going to be a very interesting comparison uh we will return to it we will have to talk about long shot um and discuss if it's this year's boon yesterday or something that we want to forget um but we'll talk about born yesterday again in a little bit when we get to best actress let's talk about father of the bride a movie that has has been remade by Steve martin and I've never seen the remake actually even though I think I guess it's kind of like a modern a modern classic or it's at least probably, very affectionate you know
0: it's probably remember. the kind of thing you saw as a kid but you were so young that you forgot it but if you watch it now it's like oh yeah i have seen this on television 45 times
1: probably my parents are big fans of it so i probably saw it when i was very young yeah. but um it is like this one that starring Spencer tracy as the titular father of the bride um whose youngest daughter or um whose daughter is getting married and he has to deal with the experience of getting old and letting go of his daughter, um, and all those typical things that I guess fathers feel when the daughters get married. I don't know. Not a yeah. father. But um, <laughs> I've, been told, I've been told this is what they feel. <laughs> um, like, I was shocked at how genuinely charmed I was by this movie, and um, I kind of went in with weird expectations because this is just the sort of plot... That as you could as you could see by the way I described it, I have no real interest in seeing. I'm kind of like maybe because I'm not a father. I'm just kind of like get over it, dads. Like like your daughter's grown up. But even though she's only nineteen in you know this movie, and I fainted when she said she was getting married at nineteen.
0: Yeah, and, but, and in real life, uh, fucking fucking Liz Elizabeth Taylor, who we should note is only like seventeen or eighteen. So it's it's fucking wild. It's boys are wild. <laughs>
1: I was having a bit of a quarter-life crisis. And then Spencer Tracy says, um, 19 is way too young. I was 25, which is how old I am. And I was like, good joke. (laughs) Like, the thought of getting married right now is a good joke. But um, anyway, um, that aside, we can can unpack all that in another episode. Um, It's really charming and sweet and never really um, comes off as like, gross or weird at all. A
0: disaster, which is what I was expecting. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, in fact,
1: I think they've really, I guess in an attempt, if I had to guess, like, to appeal to modern young audiences, they kind of make the dad look like the silly one in the movie for being so, (laughs) quote-unquote, old-fashioned, and wanted to get married at 25, um, for being so old-fashioned, and, like, the daughter, while occasionally, like, having moments where she comes off as being like making mountains out of molehills. Like there's, there's that one scene where she gets very mad at her fiance for something. Mm
0: -hmm. um, But as we discussed, she was in the right. And and she was (laughs) fully within her right as beautiful Liz Taylor, like literally the most beautiful woman on the planet to say, no, I don't want to go fishing in Nova Scotia for our fucking honeymoon. I want to go to Europe. That's insane. (laughs) You know, I
1: would leave my fiancé, too, no matter yes. what, if they recommended it. <laughs> that
0: fucking lunkhead is out of his mind. I don't even know who that actor is. Like, I've looked it up four times, completely forget. He's a nobody, and he's getting Liz Taylor for the rest of his life. He better calm the fuck down.
1: <laughs> but the, the film is very much like, a, oh, isn't she being silly? And even then... It's done in a way that is at least very sensitive and very um I, I never it never came off as mean or making her look like an like um a shallow person or anything like that. Um No, I found it very, very charming. Spencer Tracy's really great in it. And it has like this modern sensibility to some of the humor. Like there is a great scene that won me over early in the film when he learns that his daughter is in, is engaged, and he's trying to like mentally figure out which of the many boys that were like suitors it could be. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like a montage of all the different boys who are like comically terrible. And it's like, it felt like something that would be on today. Like, it's like you don't see that that type of humor that often in the films from the 50s and the 40s that we remember. And I laughed out loud. It was very funny. And many of her supers were cute, even though they were problematic. And I was She's like, I'm disastrous. like, oh. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting movie. What were your thoughts on it? Even though I, I guess you've you've been like not a spoiler. Just what are your thoughts? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I, I really did think it was going to be a total disaster. And honestly, the the I guess it's the '90s one is um actually worse. I think is age worse, oddly enough, in, in terms of its gender politics because he's like that one makes a real thing about him being like really um like. Ownershipy of over his daughter in a way that feels borderline sexual, and this one doesn't at all. He just is like protective. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's he's watching a little girl become a woman, and he's like, Wow, like time has passed. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's very nostalgic, not not sort of like oddly incestuous. Um, but I was, I thought it was surprisingly funny. I mean, Spencer Tracy is phenomenal in it. He gets to mm-hmm. like, he is technically our, our main character, and he like talks to the screen a lot, breaks the fourth wall. Um, and he's just funny as shit and i have to say the thing i i thought the, was the funniest in it was this that that like subplot about him um he has an old uh tux or i guess it's like a top hat and tails um that he war years ago and he's like oh i could just use the one i used to wear and his wife is like honey you're a little bigger now and he's like no i'm not and he like squeezes himself into this fucking <laughs> this fucking this <laughs> fucking suit and then like could barely move and then they're they have to like take down a wall basically to like get the have the wedding happen in the house because there's just like they're gonna fit so many people um and he he like is trying to open a door and he rips through the sweater after like this 20 minute almost like long standing joke and it's such a good like delivery on a joke um and i, I haven't mm-hmm. obviously i haven't read the book apparently it's based based off a book um but i i assume some of that's in there but like it's the delivery of it that's so good and like everybody's very good in this like even liz taylor who this is her first appearance on the pod but will not be the last um it's no, like, no no <laughs> yeah oh my god um <laughs> It's like she's in a competition for most Oscar person, um, or like Oscar general person. Uh, but yeah, like even, even her stuff is like, like you said, she's not ever treated really like it, like a total idiot. Like, you know, the closest thing is the, the honeymoon thing. Um, but even Mm -hmm. then it's like, I don't know, she's right. Um,
1: a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And she seems like a little adult in it, you know, like, I mean, at least i been working for longer than most people at this point. So she is a little adult, but like, you know, the character seems pretty mature. She knows what she wants and, and she's ready to get married, whatever. Um, Sure. She dated some frogs in the past, but she figured it out, you know, at the ripe old age of 19. Um, yeah. But yeah, God. I love that old suit scene. Um, and Joan Bennett as the wife is really, really good. Like
1: she's wonderful in it. Like it's such a good performance. She play, they play off each other so well. And it's like, it's, she's not given much of a character, but she manages to make it like you feel how maternal she is and how like lovely and caring she is. And it's a great, it's great work.
0: Her best moment is, um, or pretty early on when, when, uh, he's like, why are you guys getting married in a church? And because he's like, we got married in a courthouse or whatever. And then like the kids leave or, or whatever it is. And and then the wife is like, you know, I actually kind of would have wanted that. And it's just this like really um, lovely moment about like, I mean, I I'm not I'm not into that whole wedding complex thing. I actually hate weddings. Um, I've been in one wedding, but that's because I've told most of my friends, please do not put me in your wedding. I'll buy you a very <laughs> nice gift. because I've been to like three dozen weddings probably in my lifetime. I have a large family. Um, so I just hate them. But she she makes this lovely argument. There's a sirens. <laughs> they, people. Somebody heard me defending weddings, and they're like, oh, she's having a throat. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, she has this great thing where she's like, I wish we'd gotten married in a church, and I want that big thing with the family. And, like, there is, there is like, really a, an appeal in the sort of um, tradition of it all. But I do love at the end when um, he's trying to, like – Spencer Tracy is just, like, trying to say something to Liz on her wedding day and just be like, you know, congratulations, and he literally never gets to talk to her, which is just, like, it's so tragic. Mm-hmm.
1: But also a mood for how weddings are.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent.
1: No, and the suit seems wonderful. As someone who has intense anxiety whenever I have to wear anything remotely formal about making sure it doesn't work. <laughs> I it, like, it triggered all my anxieties, but I was, like... It's true, like that. It was, he's great. What a yeah. good movie! It's so it's so nice and fun. Yeah, there, I feel like it, it is
0: funny. It is worth noting, by the way, that like Liz is like nineteen in this, and there's all this talk about like getting married. I forgot to mention this earlier, but she had literally, like in real life, Elizabeth Taylor had already been married and divorced by this time. Like she got married in 1950, and by the time the Oscars aired, she was already divorced from Nikki Hilton, like of the Hiltons. What a the fifties for a while. That's An all I Icon, have to say. a true, true icon.
1: <laughs> Good for her, honestly. <laughs> like God. Um. Well, and if we're on the subject of remakes, which we've talked about. Basically, all of these. Um, I did while looking up stuff about the about Father of the Bride. Find, find um, I found out that. They wanted to make a Father of the Pride sequel to, uh, with Steve Martin's son getting married to a man, and I was like, "Give me this movie, change the title, please!" But give me that movie. I want that that film. <laughs> um, we need more movies about gay weddings, people. Um, anyway, our last film, the film I think we're probably going to have the most to talk about is Sunset Boulevard, the classic Hollywood story of an silent film star trying to stage her her comeback and the screenwriter who's begrudgingly i guess helping helping her do it i've already got on the record of being of loving this movie but i want to hear marissa's take on it because as we we alluded to before her letterbox review i think is very interesting
0: i was furious um i love this i loved this movie when i first saw it and i've seen it like half a dozen times since then there are a lot of things i like about it um but the thing that struck me this time post Me Too was how much I hate Bill Holden in it, which I have never experienced before this moment. Like I I was watching the movie going on a full journey of um, – for those who don't know what it's about, um, it's about this old movie star who uh, – or it's about this journalist who in the first scene he's he's murdered. He's floating in a pool and you don't know who murdered him but then we go on this journey of him – meeting this old like silent film star um played by Gloria Swanson um and then befriending her essentially and then um basically just exploiting this old woman who is uh, clearly off a rocker and like misses the fame that she once had um uh into basically just taking her money so that he can pretend to write a Salome picture for her or edit her screenplay of a Salome picture um and I don't know, I just, I really hated in this time. He just seemed like, like, the, the whole point of this movie is that it's this send-up of Hollywood. And, and you know, um, Wilder got in trouble for that at, when he wrote it. But I, it's not really a send-up of Hollywood as it is a send-up of the shitty men who just, like, dismiss a woman once she's over 50. Um in Hollywood and Holden is that person. He's this mediocre screenplay writer. Who's never, who's never really had a hit. And he doesn't even write a good screenplay within this film. The only time he gets to write a good screenplay is when a woman comes in to doctorate, a woman who can't write her own screenplays. Cause she's a woman. Um, <laughs> like it's, he's just this shithead who like sees an older woman who is literally like 55, by the way. Um, and, like, decides, like, this is my meal ticket. Um, and he's awful to her the whole time. He treats her like some ghoul, which the movie sort of makes her into. But realistically, he's the meanest one of all to her. Like, the when she goes back to the studio at one point, like, mistakenly thinking that they want to hire her for a picture, everybody is so happy to see her. Men, directors, everyone is happy to see her. It's this younger douchebag who, like thinks he's god almighty that is the problem and the thing about it is that's the guy who took over hollywood It's not this like or, or really runs hollywood i mean you know that 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 idea of like the studio heads and everybody being nice to her is sort of a, a false but it, it's like it's indicative of like this is the these are the assholes who like are in this industry and i was so fucking happy when he died at the end i was like kill this motherfucker today like Please do it. He is the worst person. Um, it also doesn't help that Betty Schaefer, who is the girl, the script doctor girl, who like basically makes him think that he's a good person, um, is very much a, um, a like a Gene Arthur and, and Miss, <laughs> Mr. Smith Goes to Washington for me. It's like, it's such a good, as we have, as I've previously discussed, I have such a like fan love of um, like <laughs> a Girl Friday <laughs> with snappy dialogue and a, and a nice pencil skirt. So this was, like, again, I was like, get away from her, you bastard. Like, I love Nancy Olsen, and this is, like, one of the only things she did, basically.
1: She's so good. So good in this movie. Um, and it's, it's very interesting watching um, this time, for me, her, like, I mean, it's a love story, I guess, but it's barely a love story, like her relationship with William Holden. And... um I was just like, you have a dorky fiance guy back home who's like seems sweet. Go date him. William Holden is trash, trash in this movie.
0: Right, and he's but, like, um, her 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 fiance is never literally mean to her face in the way Holden is.
1: He's just like he seems like a dork. Like every time her fiance is on screen, he makes some bad joke, and I'm like, that could get annoying. But he seems sweet. I don't know, but um, no, it's very interesting to me watching this movie because I I saw your Letterbox review and then watched it a few days later and i was i was interested to go back and explore like who i thought the film was trying to sympathize Mm -hmm. with or make the audience sympathize with because it's something that truly like i never really pitched before i and i never particularly sympathized with anyone in it i more just was kind of like wrapped up in the whole experience of the script and the sets and everything um but i do definitely think like William Holden's character is just so hateable in this movie. Like, he is such a dick. And I love, love the scene when uh, Gloria John- Gloria Swanson um, goes back to set and, like, you see the real disconnect between the people that remember her and are just so happy to see her on screen and the people um, who are younger or coded as younger and, like aren't particularly moved by her being there. And it's such a lovely moment. I love the way... And he's playing himself, which is kind of insane to think that... I mean, maybe I'm just misinterpreting his presence in this movie. No, I think he is. um, I think he is. Like, you have Cecil DeMille in this movie, in that scene, really, in my mind, coming off as someone who's, like, the power player in Hollywood, who has, like, this insane amount of, of control as to who... Can have, can be relevant and who can't be. And he comes off in my mind, maybe just this is just a model, looking bad almost. And it's sort of fascinating to think that like this was the version of Hollywood he was, he was, um, Billy Wilder that is like spinning for a movie. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think really ahead of its time. Um, because even today, like the whole joke is that, um, the Academy loves Hollywood movies, but uh, and I mean I think that's 100% true. But
0: yeah, they do love to a little bit of navel gazing for sure.
1: Yeah, but the movies that resonate today are the ones that are either glowing depictions of Hollywood or if they're not glowing are a little more um like I, like you know, you know, negative but not incredibly negative. Like it's like a few acknowledgments of like oh, there are problems but there's so much good stuff in Hollywood. And this yeah, it's one
0: like realistic about the, the, the pros and cons realistically. And this one, like the,
1: everything from the sets, especially in, um, the, the Nor- Norma's mansion, mm-hmm. it's like this distorted dream vision of Hollywood. And it's a very interesting, the last scene, the famous scene of her, the something on the stairs mm-hmm. is gorgeous. Like yeah, it is incredible. a gorgeous, weird, deeply unsettling, well-acted moment that I fully love and I still don't know if I necessarily sympathize with, I mean I sympathize with, Norm, with Norma's situation as a whole and like the forces that play and I think you see the misogyny like the, the misogyny that plays into her um, not being able to have a career after Silent Pictures went away, and she became went, turned fifty five, but uh, which still happens, I guess, today. So we shouldn't laugh. Like, like I, like I think it's there's like no there's like three actresses over fifty five that are relevant, and they're all fighting with Meryl Streep.
0: Right, but, and they all um, are in Big Little Lies because they helped each other get there. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, fucking wild. They're not over fifty five, but you know what I mean.
1: I mean, they, they have been on the record saying they've been littleized because they're not getting movies anymore, which is insane. But um, they're like – they're 45 maybe. But, yeah. um God, Hollywood. <laughs> but um, no, I I really do love this movie. It has aged very well for me. Um, we should talk about our girl Glenn. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Is stage – a remake of this. Well, have you ever, so Glenn, Glenn Close, for those who don't know, um, I almost said Glenn Coco and that would have been very embarrassing <laughs> for all involved. Um, Glenn Close, um, did a musical adaptation of Sunset of the Boulevard on stage by Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. And, um, and she's
0: revived it once or twice since then, like since the original, I yeah. think.
1: I think the original was in the nineties. And then it was very recently that brought back to Broadway, I, like 2016, I believe. Um, yeah have you ever seen her on or have you ever seen any production of it on stage or
0: no i am i am my 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 relationship with andrew lloyd weber is evolving and i think all of ours is <laughs> um <Yes. laughs> I, I think we're all realizing that the 80s and 90s were a very different time and musicals were bad <laughs> like <laughs> uh, and and he's responsible for many of the hits from that time so like when it came out, you know, when they revived it a couple of years ago, I had a friend who was like, I mean, it's, it's the same thing as what they did in the nineties. And like, you, like, I don't know. I just, it just didn't seem like something, um, I had time for in my life <laughs> at that point. Um, I kind of regret that now. Although if it, it gets made into a movie, who cares? You know,
1: it seems like it's finally happening. Like they're finally making a movie of it. It's been rumored for so long and so many different directors, yeah. um, have been attached to it, including Ryan Murphy, which would have been amazing. But um, like now, it's I don't know how to have the name of it's someone who's never worked in film, just stage. And um, I think the narrative is there now for her, for them to finally actually put the money towards it because it does she feel wants like Oscar. A,
0: yeah, I was gonna say it does feel like an industry wide push to get the woman an Oscar. Like they're like, all right, we did this now, we're done. We have to get we do we just have to do it. it it's that's it. We're done.
1: I think I more want a movie about her being on the set of Sunset Boulevard and just, like, being like, we're fucking doing it this time, people. Like, I'm getting a fucking Oscar. And, I mean, she deserves one, honestly. I'm already ready to stand for her um, once this movie is released. But it is very interesting how Sunset Boulevard, I think, has taken on a whole new life today because of this musical, but only because of Glenn Close's presence in the musical. I... I cannot name a single song from that musical score, which is wild for me because Angela Weber, if anything, is that songwriter whose songs are memorable, but the plays themselves are not. Like, everyone knows memory, but if you ask people to describe the plot of Cats, they'd be like, oh, like, I don't really know because A, that musical has no plot. <laughs> the,
0: <laughs> and... plot the plot is wild, that's why. Because when somebody tells you about it, you're like, you, they're all the cats are fighting to go to see which one goes to heaven. I don't understand.
1: <laughs> God, get ready for when the cats is released, people. And we talk about it on too early Oscar podcast. Too early Oscar podcast because it's going to be wild.
0: Yeah, the director um, will be Rob Ashford, who has such laudable credits as The Sound of Music Live and Peter Pan Live. So, oh boy, this is going to be a nightmare. Yo,
1: <laughs> I am very curious, and I'm looking forward to even if it's terrible everyone just fully ignoring that fact because we want them close to get an Oscar. We basically did that with the wife, not to, sh- not to shade the wife, but again, we all pretended that movie, we all pretended that movie was much better than it actually was. Yeah, definitely. Which is fair because you know, we love Glenn, but, um, so on that note, let's go back and talk about the different categories. Um, let's start with, let's start with actor. Um, or should we just, we just talk about pictures. So should we say who we'd vote for in this picture lineup?
0: Oh, um, yeah, sure. Go ahead.
1: I, I do think it's a close call for me between All About Eve and and Sunset Boulevard. I, um, I really love them both, but I have to give it to Sunset Boulevard. It is just a movie that I think has consistently mind-blowing to me every time I watch it. I love it so much.
0: Yeah, um, I don't. I am a little I'm on the fence on this one. Um, I think it has to be all about Eve. Um, just because I was so angry at <laughs> um, <laughs> at Sunset Boulevard, but I almost kind of want to say Father of the Bride is the one I kind of have the most affection for at this moment, which is weird. I mean, I think it's just because it's new. Do you know what I mean? It's like a recency bias <clears> kind of thing. Um, but yeah, either either one of those. I, I I think it inevitably has to be all about Eve because all about Eve is like. Indelible. There's, it's everybody is playing at like a hundred percent. You know, all of those actors are perfect in it. So yeah, it's all about Eve.
1: Good. It's a good lineup this year, um, and a lot of comedies, which is so rare. I mean, I guess like Sunset Boulevard and All About Eve are comedy adjacent, yeah. but if we were living in a Golden Globe era, they'd be submitted in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> um after the leading role, the. Winner for that year was um, Jose Ferrer, Ferrer um, mm-hmm. for Cyrano de Bergerac, which I actually watched for this podcast. Um, and the other nominees were Louis Calhern for The Magnificent Yankee, William Holden for Sunset Boulevard, James Stewart for Harvey, and Spencer Tracy for Father of the Bride. I have never seen Magnificent Yankee, so I have to rem- remove that one from consideration, but... I got to give it to Spencer Tracy. I think Spencer Tracy is so, so funny in this in Father of the Bride. What about you?
0: Same. I totally agree. It should be Spencer Tracy. Like, I didn't I didn't see Cyrano, um, but I, I am comforted to know that you would also choose Tracy because he's just so good. It's like a, a fabulous role.
1: Fabulous. He's so good. Comedic performances, which we're, we're, like, getting a lot of buzz, like, um... Buzz on Twitter this week, there was that trending meme of like, what comedic performances would you nominate for an Oscar? And this is one that I'm like, I mean, it was nominated, but it's it's funny to me that it didn't win. You should have won. You should have won. Um, I will say, Jose Fer- Ferrer is pretty good. Cyril de Bergerac, de Bergerac is a weird movie, um, and it, like, I was shocked. If you, shocked to know it was from the 50s, because. Um, the if, if you told me it was from, like, 1932, I would think it's real, because it, it is one of the most dated movies like <laughs> lo- to look at that I have watched in recent memory. But he he's good in it, and I like William Holden in Sins Boulevard. I am not a fan of Harvey. That movie, for some reason, really runs me the wrong way. Have you ever seen that?
0: Um, um, I don't think I have, actually.
1: There's a lot of affection for it. I think Revived, when, um... What's his name? Um, Big Bang Theory guy, Jim Parsons, um, revived it on Broadway.
0: Oh, and, that's why I know it. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I – so I watched it when that was happening, and I was like, I don't get it, but I'm happy people like it. <laughs> good for good for those who do.
0: It does seem like fun Donnie Darko. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Watch that little feature. <laughs> <laughs> um, after in a supporting role, the nominees were the, – the winner was George Sanders for All About Eve – the nominees were Eric Von Stroheim for Sunset Boulevard, Sam Jaffe for The Ash, Asphalt Jungle, Edmund Gwen for Mr. 8, Mr. 880, and Jeff Chandler for Broken Arrow. I've only seen All About Eve and Sunset Boulevard, so I feel weird voting, but I'm George Sanders is on another level, and I'm going to give it to him.
0: Not, yeah, I'm not going to take it George Sanders. I love George Sanders. He's, he's great. He's a... He's a bitch in this movie, and he is a bitch in real life. By the way, I looked up his um, his uh, suicide note. It's literally I'm gonna I'm gonna just read it. Dear Lord, or, dear world, I am leaving because I am bored. I feel I have lived long enough. I am with you, I'm leaving you with your worries in this sweet cesspool. Good luck. Like he was that person. Like he just channeled his real life into that into that like all about Eve performance. So yeah, I'm not gonna take it away from him. He's great in that movie.
1: The way people spoke back then, or in this case wrote, is on another level. Like,
0: (laughs) um, okay, wow, George. It's the most brutal thing I've ever read. And like, his whole memoir is like that. Like, that's just really sharp writing. It's insane.
1: (laughs) Um, Let's end with Best Actress, because there's a lot to talk about. So we'll go down to Best Actress in a supporting role. The winner was Josephine Hull for Harvey. And the nominees were Hope Emerson for Caged, Thelma Ritter for All About Eve, Celeste Holm for All About Eve, and Nancy Olsen for Sunset Boulevard. Um, I really love Celeste Holm in All About Eve, actually. I think, like, there's something so interesting about playing the most normal character in a mm-hmm. in a script, and she does it so well. Mm-hmm. She does, There's so much, like, subtle character work in the movie, where, like... She's she's a very richly defined character. So I'm gonna go with Celeste. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I I kind of can see an argument for a lot of these. Josephine Hall is is very is like I, I didn't actually see that performance, but like it's kind of that career Oscar thing because she was a film silent film star and she was also in *Arsenic and Old Lace*, which is a great film um, as one of the old the old poisoning ladies. Um, but yeah, it's tough. Like I. I think Celeste Holm is probably the winner, like, deserves it the most for me. But I, I do love Nancy. I mean, that's, again, well-established at this point. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and also, like, Nancy never got uh, anything else. So it would have been sort of nice to, to see that. But, yeah, it's it's impossible not to give to Celeste Holm. She's great in it. That whole middle section of the film is really about her and her, like, her machinations and the way she sort of eventually creates, uh, makes Eve get, finally get that st- you know turn into a star but un- un- unintentionally she's wonderful and nancy
1: also very good performance and it's like she has them i mean she and william holden have them more like straight characters to play like mm-hmm. and she does such a wonderful job a great ingenue performance yeah. um so now i talk about the ladies oh yeah um, we we'll are talk about
0: talk about director
1: oh yes 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 um Hold on. and me does not have it right after the acting, which is very rude. Um, the nominees for Best Director are the winner, Joseph Mankiewicz. M- M- I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm terrible yeah, at that's pronouncing actually it. it. I'm yeah, sorry. Oh, it. damn. Okay, good Good for me. I'm going to celebrate. Um, for All About Eve, Carol Reed for The Third Man, John Huston for The Asphalt Jungle, um, Billy Wilder for Sunset Boulevard, and George Cukor for Born Yesterday. I am re- going to go with Carol Reed, actually, for The Third Man, which is a movie that I fucking love. Yeah. And it, it's insane to me that the first time we're bringing it up is an hour into our podcast.
0: Truly! Really? <laughs> no, 100%. I fully agree. It's the one of the most well-directed films of all time. It's insane that Carol Reed doesn't win it. Like, Mankiewicz probably wins it for also writing the film um like it's a combo you know what i mean like the fact that he conceived of this whole thing is incredible but yeah it's a hundred percent carol reed is the best director in this group
1: third man is so good that movie fully blew my mind the first time i watched it we watched it and um i took um for as an, as like an elective when i was in college i took a screen a screenwriting course just for fun yeah. and the professor who actually wrote a Brie Larson movie from before she was famous. Um, Is it short-term um, 12? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was something called... Um, well, I had to look it up later. It, it started Lucy Liu and Larson and Mike C. Hall. And he was very bitter about it not becoming a famous movie. But um, he showed us a bunch of movies um, in the screenwriting class. And they were all like Christopher Nolan movies and then Third Man. And Third Man really blew my mind. <laughs> in that, It was like the, the one thing that made that redeemed that very silly class <laughs> that I took. Um, but no, great movie. And a pretty good lineup. I've never seen The Asphalt Jungle, but um, it's cool to see George cookery being nominated for Born Yesterday when like comedic films rarely ever get yeah. that attention. And I mean, Billy Wilder, I, I will never begrudge him a nomination. I love him.
0: Yeah, I wanted to make time for Jungle, um, also because it's got um, a, another um, Marilyn Ro- Monroe supporting role.
1: Yeah, I, I need to... Um, check that one out a bunch. there's a lot a lot on here that I would love to check out including Samson and Delilah and um, just because that was brought up a little bit in Inside Oscar mm-hmm. and I was I was happy I got the time to watch Sierra de the Bridge even though it ended up being so <laughs> whatever to me
0: yeah um, I actually ended up watching another like extra film that we'll we'll, we'll talk about you know it's it's hard to watch yeah. all these films people
1: yeah we got jobs people we try <laughs> thank you for listening um so now the ladies best actress in a leading role the winner was judy holliday who um i think it's sort of fascinating was like around the time this movie was released linked up to the communism scare going through hollywood Mm -hmm. and there was like a pushback against her because they thought she might have been a communist and then a lot of rallying in hollywood because she wasn't and i just love that whole era of just like Wild, wild fear about communists I wish we had a better movie than Hail Caesar to sum it up uh, or Trumbo um, oh god
0: Trumbo is bad yeah.
1: shade towards the Cohens and people trying to be the Coens. Um <laughs> but I do so Judy Holliday won good performance yeah. um, other nominees were Betty Davis for All About Eve Gloria Swanson for Sunset Boulevard Anne Baxter for All About Eve and Eleanor Parker for Caged I want to say my winner would be Gloria Swanson. I think she's brilliant. But I want to bring up something that you mentioned in your letterbox review of All About Eve, mm-hmm. where Anne Baxter is on another level in All About Eve. <laughs> and any other year, I would throw Oscars at Anne Baxter. It is She's so good in that movie. It just happens to be that she's up against Gloria Swanson, who I think is giving one of my favorite performances ever um and i mean like it's again it's the, i mentioned at the beginning this is a very gay year for the oscars they're all gay years but this is a very gay year and it that like it's just an iconic performance that queer men have adopted as their own in of boulevard and i love her to death but Anne baxter amazing what a year if we had to have a tie for best actress it should have been this year
0: yeah I even agree. though neither <laughs> one <laughs> yeah um, yeah, I mean, you stole my talking point, but yeah, Anne Baxter should have won it. Sorry. Um, I think Gloria's is great, but, um, Anne, Anne Baxter has to do so much in this, like in the same way that, um, like it, I, the favorite, uh, comparison is very useful here because it, she's doing the same kind of thing that, or the, that, what, what Emma Stone did in the favorite of this, like mercurial insane person who literally has to change, change her whole personality every scene, uh, like to fit whatever, sociopathic <laughs> needs the other people in the room need. So it's, it's a brilliant performance and she's really good in it. Um, and like, yeah, realistically any of these women could have won and it would have been fine. Like all of them are great. Like Judy holiday really introduces a type. Like I totally hmm. get why she wins. Um, and Swanson probably should have won. And, and Judy clearly thought to, that too. Cause she like at the awards cried, like could not stop crying because she felt so bad about winning it over Gloria Swanson. Um, and they were like in the room together. Um, so like that's that just sucks. It's really tough, you know. But um,
1: according to Inside Oscar at least, Gloria Swanson was a very good sport about it and seemed right. very happy for Judy um, well, it's, it's
0: Much It's very much that, you know, Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman thing this year of like, you know, talent respects talent. Um, she knows it's not her fault. So like, it's tough but like you know Olivia Coleman basically started her 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 speech being like sorry about this Glenn Close <laughs> I
1: love when people on award shows Apologize to the person who everyone thought should win I think my favorite It's not even in the Oscars But when Adele apologized to Beyonce for winning Album of the Year I was like this is amazing Everyone felt that They were like
0: what the fuck is going on And then she was fully like No you made the best album of my whole life I don't understand what's happening right now (laughs) Um yeah no I I mean I still think I still kind of would have chosen Ann Baxter Just because I think that performance is so great Um But, yeah, I mean, any of those women could win.
1: It is. What a year. Every I feel like every year we've talked about so far has been such a good year for actresses. And I don't know. I just like how could anyone care about the boys for Oscar season when (laughs) you have when you have ladies giving these wild performances? Um, Love it. (laughs) Betty Davis, amazing. We'll talk about her. Either her or Elizabeth Taylor, we'll be talking about the most, I think, as we go through these years. Yeah. Um. So, the final categories we really wanted to talk about, as we always do, we highlight these. Um. Some other uh, different nominations. We want to talk about art direction and cinematography because in the fifties, or at least in nineteen fifty, I did not see what year they stopped doing this. Um. They separated those categories by a black and white and color and it leads to some very interesting nominations that i think um sum up the what makes those different movies appealing for lack of a better word um so like art direction um for art direction color the nominees were samson and delilah annie get your gun and destination moon which not none of which i've seen have you seen any of those
0: um, let me re- look at that list again. Um, I've seen Annie Get Your Gun, Destination Moon, I think I've seen two, actually, years and years ago in a class. Oddly enough, the only one I haven't seen is Samson and delilah but the, but that's, I don't, I don't love a, I don't love a biblical picture, honestly. I don't um, blame you. But I, I, yeah, can, I feel like that one I'm, probably is, ooh. I'm not surprised at one, though, because I'm sure there's crazy shit. I mean, realistically, at some point, he has to bring the whole city down <laughs> over his head. So I'm sure the fucking art direction in that is incredible. And all those pictures always have great um, art direction. You know, they have to create a time period, and, and they're all done on studio sets for the most part. But, um, you know, they're colorful, and they are they have to do this crazy shit, and it's all, like, period stuff. So, yeah, I, I can totally understand why that one.
1: <laughs> the biblical pictures of that era have some really stunning sets and I'm very excited to talk about some of the other ones yeah. as we move through these years um in terms of art direction for black and white there's sunset boulevard which was the ultimate winner all about eve and the red did danube uh danube, ooh, I, Dan- danube. danube okay have you seen that one
0: uh, no no that's actually the only one I haven't seen in the group obviously. yeah
1: it's great that sunset boulevard got on there because what a set um I'm a little surprised with all like all the Eve sets never particularly struck me as being something worth writing home about but i guess um there's something to admire there maybe
0: <laughs> yeah it is a little odd i mean maybe they just need i i i i might have chosen if i had to pick a black and white picture i probably would have chosen a father of the bride realistically um mm. over over all about eve because there's there's just more going on in in every you know the the set is such a thing um but mm-hmm. yeah, Sunset Boulevard totally deserves it. I mean, it's those those old houses existed um, and they still exist, obviously, in the Hollywood Hills. Um, and like you really get the sense that like it's it is Dracula's mansion, but it is also really a um, something that a, a silent film star who wouldn't <laughs> would have been making fabulous amounts of money because taxes didn't exist then for that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> that's that that is the whole point of all that is that the reason those silent film stars had such giant houses is because they were they weren't they weren't being taxed. Um and then eventually people realize like oh we got to tax those guys and then that's why after the silent era basically everybody is is still fabulously wealthy but less set, less so. Um but and yeah they also that shit is great. I think I'll, I'll, I think it totally deserves that.
1: And they also for Sunset Boulevard build for a smaller period of time but they build a set of a biblical movie basically mm-hmm. <laughs> to film on which is fascinating. Um mm-hmm. And then, cinematography, also separated by black and white and color, um, the, the real thing I want to talk about is cinematography cinematography black and white, where Sunset Boulevard and All About Eve were both nominated, as were the Furies and the Asphalt Jungle, neither of which we, I mean, have you seen the Furies, or? Um, no, I don't think I have. Yeah, um, you know. Good, a good bunch of nomination, at least for some people who not all about Eve. But the third man, which is the winner of Best Cinematography for Black and White, is honestly one of the best looking movies I think I've ever watched. Probably, if I had to make like a top ten list, it is That's a
0: completely true. The filmmaking is so sophisticated; it doesn't feel like it's 1950. It should be like the like late 60s. It's it's so sophisticated.
1: I mean, there's that one perfect shot. Um, Twitter. Uh, Twitter account mm-hmm. and um I feel like they have a third man shot like once a week basically and I always every, every it. shot
0: it, in the third man is perfect like if you haven't watched shot. the third
1: man yeah. if you're listening and haven't watched the third man go watch it it's wonderful it is so good um that um Criterion blu-ray being discontinued was a real downer for me but I do have it on blu-ray from whoever <laughs> released it afterward um and then Cinematography Color, King Solomon's Minds 1, and uh, Beating Annie *Get Your Gun, Broken Arrow, Samson and Delilah, and The Flame and the Arrow. It's funny how all the, a lot of these spectacle movies sound like such, like, cliche spectacle titles. Like, The Flame and the Arrow, and um, Broken Arrow and everything. Like, it's like, what an arrow what these movies that these were. But, um, I mean, King Solomon's Minds, pretty good looking movie, I guess. I would... I. I don't begrudge that win.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, they had to. They had to drag a giant camera again. Can't express enough how giant the cameras were at this point. Um, it it through, through Africa and outside. All of these other things are based probably done on a stage. There's no way this doesn't deserve the win. I, I don't even need to see the other ones. Um, it's gorgeous. Like not a film I like, but you can't deny the filmmaking. All, literally all of these, I, I assure you, were were made on a, a sound stage. Other
1: <laughs> and that's probably what got it to win <laughs> um yeah, I'm sure it is. um so let's talk about other films from the 50s we would nominate uh there are two i kind of want to um name check not including the third man which we've already sung the praises for um i i'm a fan of rashomon um the akira kurosawa yeah, film sure. from the from the era uh I mean, I I truly will plead ignorance. I don't know how foreign language films really competed at the Oscars in the 50s, so I can't even say if it had, like, a legitimate chance um, to, like, to compete with that. But um, it's interesting. I have Letterboxd open, which is how I keep track of what movies from from that year I have seen. And they arranged the films in, like, order of most Watched from that year, and Rashomon is the second most watched film on their website from 1950, second to Sunset Boulevard. So i it is one of the films that I think defined that year in movies. It's definitely just defined cinema culture from like, like potentially pretentious um, cinema people. But I do love that one. But the other film that I really, really think is amazing and makes a very good companion piece to Sunset Boulevard. Um, is in a lonely place, the Humphrey Bogart movie, um, where he plays a screen a screenwriter who his, whose girlfriend believes he might have committed a murder. And what a movie! <laughs> that is a movie that I w- have watched multiple times. I think it is just a terrific thriller. I think it's Humphrey Bogart's best performance, to be honest. And it, it's very interesting to me that it. Did not register at all with the Academy Awards that year. So I don't know. Very very good year for film as a whole. In a Lonely Place, wonderful movie. Watch it, everybody. What about you, Marissa? Yeah.
0: Uh, you that actually is one of mine. I have two I want to talk about, and uh, In a Lonely Place is one of the ones I rewatched for us because it is one of the great like noirs of all time. Um, I think the the problem, the reason it probably got ignored for the most part is because it was an independent feature at the time, mm. technically. Um, and they, I, I assume the studios did not want to acknowledge independent features at that point. (laughs) Um, uh, but yeah, In a Lonely Place is like one of the greatest films of all time. Truly. It's so good. Um, it's a fantastic thriller. The script is perfect. Um, I think you're right about it being Bogey's best performance and Gloria Graham gives an all time great performance in it because at this point in her career, she'd been playing gun malls and like, um, you know, bad girls, but she is kind of not the bad girl. She is bad. You know, she done bad shit, but she's like, she's a good, she's like technically like, you know, being possibly corrupted by her uh, possibly murderous boyfriend. The cinematography and production design is incredible. Like talk about great black and white cinema. Or, um, well, yeah, black and white cinematography and production dot design. Like the... You spend a lot of time in two, in in their apartments basically because they live across from each other in the same like little bungalow, um, and the you it feels like real apartments. I mean it's great, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And like Gloria is so good. Like honestly it's incredible how good she is in that movie. It's like the first, I think it was the first thing I saw her in and it blew me the hell away. I was like, God, who is this woman? She's phenomenal. Um, and yeah, like Nicholas DeRay, Nicholas Ray directed it perfectly. Although it is, there's this funny moment where there's this, um, I always think of it cause I saw it in a class, um, this way, but there's a moment where, um, They break the 360 degree rule, but the movie is so good that you don't notice. So like you, like somebody taught it to me basically being like, um, this movie is like they, there are rules about filmmaking and, but you can break them if your film is good enough. And this film is good enough to break the 360 or like, I'm sorry, not 360, 180 degree rule, like fully breaks it. In the middle of a very intense scene, but you don't even notice it because it's just, you're so compelled by the performances and everything in it. Like, it's just a great movie. Um, but the other one I also watched for this year um, was Silk Stockings, which is a musical um, starring Judy Garland and Gene Kelly. And Judy, like, they had to, they had to just, this was, it was a movie that was like going to be her last MGM picture. Um, and she, they like basically, like, in order to support her way through it because she was having – she was in a pretty bad place at this point. Um, basically just surrounded her with, like, friends of hers to get her through this final picture. And it's – it's a for some reason, I had remembered it as not being great, but it's mostly great. Um, it has the infamous um, Get Happy uh, number, which everybody has probably seen. Um, and she Hopefully. looks – yeah, right. At this point, like, pause the podcast and watch the goddamn Get Happy number, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, it's, like, one of the most brilliantly directed musical numbers of all time. And there's a lot of really good musical numbers in it. Um, it is – it's funny, and Judy's great in it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a great little musical. I, I, I encourage people to watch it. Um, I can see why in this year it didn't get nominated, though, because it's, like – look at this year. Like, certainly – of the two, in a lonely place, makes a better argument for itself. But the it, 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 silk stockings is a lot of fun, or not silk stockings. I've been calling it that the whole time. It's summer stock. <laughs> what am I saying? I've been watching silk. I we talked about silk stockings the other day because of Nanotka um, and I also rewatched it. And it's boy, it's bad. Um, it's <laughs> called summer stock. That was my bad. Sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> too many stocks, uh, stock musicals
1: i was i actually was like looking up silk stockings as you were talking and i was like i was like oh i don't see judy garland in the
0: cast but then
1: uh, i was like maybe it's an imdb thing and then i then that makes sense okay cool no it's fully
0: fully summer stock and i was looking at it the whole time but i I watched silk stockings like last night out of or the other night out of curiosity i was like yep still bad
1: we we stand, Judy. Though it's okay. Yeah. Um, anything she wants to sing in, let's let's do it. But um, no, nah, I mean in a lonely place, especially it's it's so wild to me that like, I mean it makes sense. Like you said, that independent film argument is probably what what I imagine happens. Um, but like, it's such a good companion film. With Sunset Boulevard of like this dark view of Hollywood and. They're both, I think, very fondly remembered. I, I believe In the Living Place has a Criterion release. But, um, God, like, what a, what a good, weird year for movies. with some very dark films <laughs> out there. Um, do we have any last thoughts on 1950, or are we ready to call this one a day?
0: No, it's done. It's uh, That's it. I think we're good.
1: It's done. I'm happy to the queer police will not track me down and revoke my queer card for not, for waiting so long to talk about the 1950 Oscar race. Thank you everybody, um, for, for indulging this. But, um, so Marissa, where can people find you on social media? Uh,
0: I am at, at Marissa Carpico on Twitter and also at my name everywhere else. Um, <laughs> yeah, as long as you spelling it right, you should find me.
1: <laughs> there we go. um, you can find me on Twitter at MattNotMatthew1 or on Letterboxd at Matt T. And if you're watching these films along with us, which I hope you all are, um, you you should prepare to talk about or to listen to us talk about the 1967 Oscar race next, the year of The Graduate in the, in the Heat of the Night. And um, fuck, why can't I play um, – the graduate. I, I think I said that one already, but whatever. Bonnie and Clyde.
0: Yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. People yes. can look it up. They're, they're, the internet exists. We don't need you to fucking tell. It. You know, like you could, you could figure it out. You goddamn losers. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing that next week, and uh, we're gonna have our first guest. Um, we, we got a lot are. of guests coming up, but this is our gonna be our first one, and it's um, Sean Cordy, who I talked about um, writing the uh, the long shot earlier. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about it
1: very excited we're gonna we're opening up the table to some other people some other voices all right everybody thanks for listening we good all right perfect